Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, I think Shane is 18 now, I believe, and Nate's 16. Is that right? When they were little, they used to crack me up. Uh, at my, they would come over to mom and dad's or they would call my mom and my mom and dad lived beside me so I would go over to hear what they would have to say because it was always really funny stuff they would say but this is when Lily was the baby so Bethany wasn't even here yet and so Jill had four children at this time and uh, Shane and Nate would just come up with the funniest ways of just saying they wanted to stay at grandma's house and, they, they, and, and different times both of them had said they needed a break from those kids and uh, so they would have probably only been about six and, seven, or, and eight themselves at this time. And, and, then, and then one time, I think it was Shane that was given this whole spiel about he just needed his freedom. So he was there to spend the night at Grandma's house and get a little bit of freedom from his brothers uh, and sisters. And, and we've all been there. We, we, we did it when we were young. And we hear it from our teenagers now. They don't, you know, they, you got to quit treating me like I'm a kid. I need, I need my freedom. I need my space. They get, kind of get ready to get out of, out of mom and dad's house. And uh, when I got ready to get out, I never had a big blow up with my parents. I don't know how I avoided it, but I never had a, uh, other than when he called the cops on me. Uh, but I never had a big blow up, never big argument or anything like that. But I just got ready. I needed to get out. I wanted my freedom. I wanted to be free to do what I wanted to do. And as you've heard me tell before, the freedom I enjoyed was I was free to go back and eat dinner there about three times a week because I was broke in about six weeks' time. I had no money and no food in the house. But I wanted freedom. And so we, we hear a lot about freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom uh, from fear. Uh, freedom from want. We, that's our desire. Everyone desires to be free. But real freedom is only found in Jesus. And a lot of people just, they won't realize it. They run from him thinking they're, they're after freedom when he's where freedom is at. Uh, the only freedom is really in a personal relationship uh, with him. Uh, many years ago, 15 years or more, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, my uncle uh, Paul Keeter. They were doing. A, they always. They used to do these really big Fourth of July services uh, at their church at Rivers of Living Water Church, and uh, it was about a month or so before one of these big events they were doing. And I was at. I happened to go by his house and see him, and I was talking with him, and uh, and he. I had to get him to calm down and hear me out. So I ask you to hear me out too on this, but uh, he was talking all about what they had coming up with the 4th of July. And so he starts talking about America and he starts talking about American history and he starts talking about all these things and he get, he's getting real excited. And uh, if you know my uncle, you know he's, he's all about, the, uh, he loves this country and all that stuff. And so uh, I told him, I said, uh, Uncle Paul, I said, I don't love this country the way you do. Oh man, you should have seen his face. I said, I don't really, 
I don't really, you know, love that flag the way you do either. And uh, he's getting concerned about me. And that's why I had to tell him to calm down a second. And I said, because I said, what you're telling me was never taught to me. I said, this, the American history you talk about and the way you talk about it, I said, they don't teach that in school anymore. I said, uh, I wasn't taught to love this country the way you were taught in school, and I wasn't taught to respect that flag. I said, I respect it. I love this country. I'm talking about the way that you do. I said, it's just different. And I, and I told him, I said, and I'm one of the good ones. Imagine what some of the bad ones are like with the way they've taught us in, in school now. I said, I, I don't really know what's going on. I said, all I can tell you is I was never taught that. What you, I wish I had what you had when it comes to talking about this country and about, and about the, the flag. I learned an important lesson that day. Don't tell a preacher anything because he used it in the sermon on the 4th of July when I was sitting in the, in the congregation. He was telling people about, a young man was at my house. Like, huh. He don't love this country the way I like, oh, man. It was really good material for his sermon, though, so I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I take anything I can to, but, but it still was true because, see, he understood all the sacrifice that had been made for the freedoms that we enjoy. Now, I didn't understand all that. I wasn't, I wasn't taught that. Some of you that were in school around the same time as me, you may understand what I'm, where I'm, what I'm talking about there, but I wasn't taught that. But little did I know when I said that to him all those years ago that the generations after me, not only would they not be taught to love and to honor and have pride in this country and respect our flag and all that, they would be taught to dislike it. Not just to not like it, they would be taught that, you know, things change in what, they're, what, they, what, uh, what they allow the teachers to teach. The teachers don't have very much control over it, at least I don't, I don't think so. And see, the same thing has happened. So now instead of our children, they don't have, not only do they not have the pride, like our, my parents and grandparents, now they're at a place where not only do they not understand the freedom, they're just willing to give away their freedom. you got to remember, they don't know what it's like to not have one of these and be tracked every step you make, every purchase you make, everywhere you go. They don't realize that there's freedom in being able to do what you want to do. They think freedom is being able to tell everybody what they're doing every time they do it, 24 hours, 24 hours a day. And so I think that's kind of the way we are in, in the church. Because were things the, the best that they ever were when my parents and grandparents were coming up? Life was rough. Things have gotten a lot smoother with technology and things that are going on. But still, it doesn't mean that it wasn't a great time. And so what's happened in the church is the ones that went on before us, they understood the sacrifices and the persecution that they went through to be able to stand in worship like we are today, to have the freedom that we have. Someone paid a price for us to have the freedom for me to be up here speaking and, and uh, talking to you about, about Jesus. And they knew that they were okay with being different. They were okay with, with all those different things because they knew the freedom that, that they had. And then it seems like the church went through this situation where they just didn't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to cause any problems. Let's just try to fit in as best we can because we can still worship God. We can still talk about Jesus. Let's just don't. Let, and, and so we started, to, in a sense, becoming a little bit ashamed of what, of what the church did in the past. Some of that stuff was a little bit extreme and maybe eccentric. But still, we, we, got, or we, don't, want to, we don't want to stand out. We don't want to. 
do anything like that. And now it's got to the place where now it's not just trying to ruffle feathers, but it's welcoming in the ways of the world and trying to make it fit the church instead of the church changing to be, uh, instead of the world changing to be like the church, we're trying to change to be like the world. And what we don't realize is even though, oh, that's innocent, that's no big deal, is that we're giving up freedoms the whole time that we do it. We're, we're stepping right back into bondage that Jesus has freed us from, and we think, that we're, we think that we're better off, but we don't realize that we're right back where the ones before us fought so hard to get us away from and to get that, that freedom for us and the freedom that Jesus uh, provided. And so what I want to do is I just want to go over some of the things that Jesus frees us from when we accept him as our Lord and Savior uh, in our lives. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to give any of those back. I want to walk in every bit of the freedom uh, that he's given us. And so the first thing is he frees us from sin. Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. We know that our, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. If we continue reading uh, to verse 22, it says, But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. So we're slaves of sin. We've been freed by Jesus, and now we become slaves to God. Now, maybe I'm the only one here, but is anyone, did you ever try to, uh, to live a holy lifestyle or uh, live a good Christian lifestyle before you truly accepted the Lord as your personal Savior and had Him actually set you free from sin? You just tried to do it on your own? Oh, I've done that. It's not, e it's not easy. And uh, it goes on a lot these days. See, we have people that they go to church for the moral lessons. Uh, they go to church so their kids can have Christian values because that's what they've been told they should do. They've been told it's important, and it is important. It's great. But see, they've never been freed from sin because there are many of these people that they're not saved. It's just, it's just a fact. Uh, I had a friend of mine call me a, uh, a few weeks ago, and we were talking, and he was telling me about how he had rededicated his life to the Lord uh, about nine months ago. And he said, I, I really began to wonder if I was ever really saved before. He said, everything's different this time. And he started talking about it. And basically what he was experiencing was freedom. And uh, he said, our church, the, the, the church he's going to, he said, we've been having amazing services of, of salvation happening in people's lives. And he says, it's the strangest thing. He said, just uh, two weeks ago, this guy at the end of the service they gave the altar call, and this man in his mid to late 60s just, he didn't run to the altar, but he all but ran to the altar, and he said, Pastor, I just got to get saved. And he said, the funny thing was, this guy's been going to church for a long time. And he said, not just, he's been going to their church for a while, but he's been in church for years, and he's active in church. He participates in church. He goes to all the meetings. He, he said, you would have never known that this man uh, wasn't saved, but he said he got radically saved that Sunday morning and was just uh, and surrendered it all to the Lord. Now, see, there, what happens is there are a lot of people and they're trying to do it all on their own and they don't understand why it's so hard. And the reason that it's, that it's difficult is that they're still a slave to sin. Until he sets you free from that, it's going to draw you. 
You can go to church every time the doors are open. You can watch nothing but Christian television. You can quote chapter and verse, read chapter after chapter. You can say all the right things and do all the right things. But what you're going to find is that no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work at it, something is constantly drawing you back to that lifestyle of sin. And you may do, you may do great for a while. You may be on your best behavior and doing wonderful, at least in your own eyes, but you're always going to end up back in that place that you don't want to be. Why does this happen? It happens because you're a slave to sin. And no matter how hard you try, sin has its grasp on you unless Jesus Christ has set you free. It's the only way. It's not just somebody that said something clever from a pulpit. It's the power of God. It's the power of Jesus that does it. And see, when He saves us, everything changes. He frees us from sin, and then we become a slave to God. Now, that doesn't mean that sin's never going to bother us again. It doesn't mean that we're never going to mess up. We're going to be tempted to sin. The enemy's going to be the enemy. There will be times that we mess up. But when Jesus frees us from sin and we become a slave to God, what happens is if we do sin, no matter how bad we mess up, we're constantly now being drawn to God instead of drawn to sin. You'll feel that drawing to the Father. See, being saved isn't about being perfect, but it is about a deep-rooted heart's desire for God. That's, why it's all, that's what the whole saying about it's all about relationship, that's why it's so important. Because if not, you're not going to understand the drawing of the Savior. See, before I got saved, um, I would go to church. I mean, I was raised in church, and then I gave my parents a fit for a few years. And, uh, but I would, I would try to change things in my life on my own. And I can remember uh, even enjoying some of the services and thinking, man, those were some really good points that the guy made. Maybe I should implement some of that in my life. And so uh, I would try to change some things. And uh, now, now, don't get me wrong. The enemy, I don't care if you've been saved 50 years and you've, you, you're the best Christian that there's ever been. The enemy's always going to tell you you're not saved. So don't mistake what I'm saying here, that anytime you have a thought that's trying to question your salvation, that you're not saved. I'm not saying that. If you, I, I, this is totally different because the enemy's always going to tell you it was in your head and that it was all emotions and that you're really not saved. So it's, he's going to be the enemy. The point to it is when are we going to start being the church and being what God's called us to be? And so I would have these thoughts. I, I would remember I was trying to change some things and I would, have, I would just start thinking, man, you know what, this, this really isn't me. I'm, I'm, I'm not like my grandpa. I don't, I don't really get into this stuff. I'm not a very emotional person. I'm, I kind of like to party. Uh, I like talking trash with people. I don't just like hearing dirty jokes. I like being the guy telling them. Um, I like the filthy music I listen to. Uh, I knew I could just back then I could tell you just about any song, any artist. It didn't matter all the different all the different types of music. But this church stuff, it really isn't me. I kind of I don't fit in here. That's what I would think. But see, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, that all changed. I began to look forward to going to church in times of worship and growing in my walk with Him. And, and guess what? I still wasn't perfect. I'm still not perfect. I did some pretty not very intelligent things when it comes to my walk with the Lord. And I, I made some mistakes where I just flat out decided to go sin a little bit every now and then. And when I would do something like that, I would, everything was different because now my thoughts had changed. And I would, 
I would, if I did something silly or, or I committed some type of sin, I would start thinking then again, wait a minute, this isn't me. I'm, I'm not like this anymore. I'm a child of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I was made for glory. Not only do I not want to live this way, I don't have to live this way anymore. And it was a different, something different was drawing me than before. I'm still human. I'm still going to have those issues, but I have a different master. And so it, it's, it, it all goes back to that. And so I realized that something was different because Jesus had freed me from sin. And he'll do the same thing for anyone that, that will ask him. The second thing is he frees us from the law. Romans 7, verse 6. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's all about living a life led by the Spirit. It's a changing of what's, uh, what's pulling you and what's directing you. Peter spoke about the law in Acts 15 and uh, verse 10. He was talking about it being a yoke that was too, uh, too heavy for our fathers to carry and too heavy for us to carry. But yet here we are all these years later still trying to carry it, trying to, be these, <laughs> trying to do everything the wrong way instead of being led by the Spirit. We're no longer bound by the law because He's freed us from it. And we're free to live a life led by the Spirit. He also frees us from condemnation. John three seventeen, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. See, many times as Christians, we've all felt that pain of condemnation and shame for, for whatever reason. Many people constantly face it. They face it because of something that they've done in the past, or something that someone else has done to them in the past, or, or something that they continue to struggle with and fall, fall short at over and over again. And see, condemnation, the best way to, to tell the difference between the two, I guess, for me would be to say that condemnation is something that other people put on you. Shame is something you put on yourself. And so what happens to a lot of people is they get in this cycle because sometimes it's possible to run away from condemnation. Because other people put it on you. So they run away from the church and they try to do anything they can to stay away from it. What they don't realize is that they're never going to run away from shame. You can't run away from yourself. And so those same feelings, that same bondage, it's just put on you by a different person, which is you. It's still not freedom. He, he wants to free you from all of that. Romans 8 verses 1 through 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There it is again. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. John 5, 24. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The fourth thing that he frees us from. He frees us from Satan's power. In 1 John 5, 18, it says, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We don't have to worry about what the enemy's doing. We need to be aware of what he's doing, but we don't have to worry about it. We need to stay focused on what the Father's doing. See, some people, they're so bound by, by different devices of the enemy. They're bound by the spirit of prejudice or of envy or of... 
unforgiveness and hatred and all these, all these different things. And when we allow ourselves to be bound by things like that, we're, we're allowing ourselves to be bound by the power of Satan. We're not supposed to be that way. And Satan, he is a powerful enemy. He is, when you're, especially when you're outside of Christ trying to do it all on your own. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion before, but they're, they're pretty powerful. They can be intimidating. But thank God we can be free from that. Jesus has freed us from that. Jesus frees us from Satan's power. 1 John 4 and 4 says that greater is he is in us than he that is in the world. We don't have to, if he's in us, then we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about the power of the enemy. The fifth thing is he frees us from death. John 11 verse 26 says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And we know in John 3, 16, it tells us that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Over in Romans, I told you there's a lot of verses. 6, 22 through 23 says, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit of holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have some amazing promises in this book if we would just take the time to, to find them and stand on them. As Christians, we've been freed from death. We don't have to worry about death. The Christian death is not an end, it's just a change. It's a change from death actually to life. It's, it's a change from one world to another world. We don't have to worry about it. And the final thing today is that he frees us from hell. He frees us from hell. Um, the scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 that Jesus has delivered us from the wrath to come. It's at the end of that verse. If you wanna, I didn't give them that one if you want to write that one down. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And in Revelations 1.18, Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. So he has the keys. And because he has the keys, you and I are free today. We can have spiritual freedom. And see, it's foolish for us to allow Satan and sin to reign in our lives and have dominion over us. Why would we give up our freedom? Why would we hand something back? When we do that, that pathway leads to heartaches, hopelessness, and hell. doesn't sound good at all. But see, when Jesus sets us free, we no longer have to be bound by that. We're free indeed, and that pathway is one of hope, happiness, and heaven. Something that we all want. Something that we all can get excited about, too. See, Jesus frees us, but are we going to live and walk in that freedom? How many of us can look back and see all the times that we chose not to? We chose to just give it away. We chose to just, to just accept what the enemy tells us. See, are we going to walk in the freedom that he gives us or are we going to continue to be bound, not realizing all that he's provided for us, all that he's empowered us with, all that can be, that can be ours? And there's a lot of people, uh, especially people new to the church, they don't even know the freedoms that they have. And so they just willingly give it away. And then we have others that they just, they've just compromised. And anything you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. It's just the way that it is. And so we have to be careful that we stand on the freedoms that he's given us. And uh, since Michelle's not here today, this kind of reminds me of a story about her. 
And she might be, she might be watching online. Uh, let me turn my phone over in case she texts me. <laughs> but Michelle has always, uh, she never lets anybody mess with me. Still today, I have to remind her and Heather at least once or twice a year that I'm a grown man. They don't have to take up for me. But she looked after me and Jill when we were growing up, and Michelle's four years older than me. I'm 18 months older than Jill. And so uh, uh, she didn't let anybody mess with us uh, except for one person, her. <laughs> she was allowed to beat us up. Nobody else was allowed to. And Michelle, uh, I, whether you know it, Michelle is very strong. I still wouldn't want to have to fight her. But one summer, I think she would have been 12 or 13. So I was eight or nine and Jill seven, I guess. And uh, she was watching us while mom and dad were at work. So she's watching us over the summer. She's old enough for us to just stay with her and not have to go to my grandma's or anything. And so uh, her and Jill got into it about something. I don't remember what it was. I just remember hearing a, a big commotion going on and running in, and Michelle is giving it to her. Um, age didn't matter to her. She has Jill down, and Michelle had this way of, she knew jujitsu before any of us knew what it was. She can get on top of you somehow and get you in one of these positions where you can't move. And so she's sitting on Jill. Jill's trapped, and Michelle's, she's on her back, and uh, she's not trying to, like, knock her out or kill her or anything, but she does have Jill by the hair, and she's just bumping Jill's head on the floor. You remember this, Jill? So she's just bumping her head on the floor, and so I come in, I see what's happening, so I just do, you know, I dive tackle Michelle. She reverses it like that. She flips somehow, and now I am flat on my stomach, with my arms by my side, and Michelle's sitting right here. And she's facing my feet, and she just starts punching in my back. And I'm not going to say how, how I, it was pretty hard. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the, that the punches were that hard. She literally beat all the wind out of my lungs. So she punches until she's out of breath. She's tired. And I'm out of breath, too. I wasn't tired. I just couldn't breathe. And uh, she's punching, and Jill now has, I guess, her head's quit spinning from getting slammed in the floor. And she, she yells at Michelle, I'm telling Mom. So now Michelle jumps off of me, and I'm kind of, in, I make it to my side in the fetal position, just kind of trying to get my wind back. I'm like, Aah! Jill thinks I'm dying because I can't talk to her because I can't breathe. This all happens in like a matter of 15 seconds, too. But Michelle grabs the telephone and runs to the back of the house and slams the door shut. And uh, she's in mom and dad's room with the door locked. So now I'm to my knees, maybe. I can breathe now. I'm telling Jill I'm okay. Jill's crying. And uh, I'm kind of getting my wind back and want, want to try to fight her again. Actually, I'm so upset. So I grab, she's got us locked out. I get a coat hanger and pick the lock. And she's on the phone with my aunt, crying. And she said, you need to come over here. They're ganging up on me. <laughs> and she just beat us both up with no mercy. 
And uh, she's telling my aunt that we're ganging up on her and crying and acting like she's just the victim here. And uh, we're yelling, she's lying. She's trying to kill us. She's lying. And so my Aunt Linda's on the other end of the phone trying to figure out what is going on with the craziness that's happening on our end of the phone. And does she need to come over? Does she need to call my mom? And Michelle just keeps telling the same story. They're ganging up on me and just crying. She's crying worse than we are. We never got a lick on her. We never hit her. And, uh, and so my aunt finally calms everything down. And so here's the point of this crazy story, I think, anyways. I had a point when I started it. Michelle could have just, when Jill said that she's already beat us up, she's got all the authority in this situation, right? She's got all the power in this situation. She's got all the victory in this situation. And one little threat made her give it all away. All it took was Jill's little whiny voice saying, I'm telling mom. And she gave it all away. She could have told us to get quiet, and if we told mom, we were going to get it again, to go sit on the couch and not say nothing. But she didn't. She ran to the back room and got on the telephone and decided to tell somebody how everybody was ganging up on her. Don't that sound like church people? It sounds a little familiar. He's given you all the authority you need for every situation you face. He's given you all the power that you can walk in. And not only that, he's even promised you the victory because he's already won the battle. And even after times where we stand in the promises of that freedom and we see God move on our behalf and we see, wow, this thing really works, the enemy, all he has to do is he just breathes one little threat and we give it all back and we go back to our old ways of getting on the phone and telling somebody how we're never going to, this is never going to happen for me, that's never going to happen for me, everything's coming against me and I just don't know, I just don't know what we can do. So when you think about it from that standpoint, you realize how much all of us have given away the freedom that he's provided for us. How many times all of us have neglected the sacrifice that he made so that we could walk and live a life and life more abundantly. Don't allow the enemy to breathe one little threat and give you, get you to give it away. You're more powerful than you know in Christ. You have all the power you need, all the authority you need, and it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter if everybody is ganging up against you. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus is with you and that he's freed you from all of that stress uh, and worry. So, God, we just thank you again for freedom, Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything that we're free from because of Jesus, because the Son has made us free indeed. Lord, I pray that there would just be a sense to go out upon uh, people all over the world, God, to not just come to church, but Lord, to go after you, to have that desire for you to where they surrender it all and they allow Jesus to set them free. God, I thank you for every blessing, Lord, and I just pray for every person here, God, that, that we, would, we would stop giving up our freedoms just because of the idle threats of the enemy. God, he has no power. He has no victory because it's all in you, Lord. You've taken care of it all. Lord, you've disarmed him and you've even embarrassed him and defeated him, made a spectacle of him, God. And we just thank you for that, Lord, that we would focus on that, Lord. I pray for people, God, to begin to experience deliverance because of the freedom that they've had all along and the enemies convinced them to give it back. Lord, I pray for people to experience salvation like never before. Lord, let our eyes and our ears be open to be led by the Spirit. 
God, let us not give any of it back to the enemy, but take it all, Lord, and celebrate that freedom as we celebrate even our freedom in this country in the next coming days, God. Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you for it, God. I thank you for authority and power, Lord. I thank you for Jesus, all that he's provided, God. And Lord, we just repent right now for all the times that we've just so easily forfeited all those victories, God. And God, we just ask for your help, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us, Lord, and that we would just continue to grow in you, grow in our understanding, our spiritual understanding, Lord, and knowledge in all things, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.